Welcome back to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast, everybody. And you might have noticed already, it's uh, it's Ollie's voice, not Sean's. And that means he's not here again. Obviously, you you need to send him a load of messages, ask him what's going on. It's, the show's kind of been a little bit of me of late. So um, we'll have Sean back. Don't, don't worry about that. But today, I'm, uh, I'm bringing on a good guest who I've met a couple of times now. And uh, we kind of sing from, uh, we see him, if I could get my words out, we sing from the same hymn sheet. Clearly, I don't read the hymn sheet too well at the moment, but... Um, but he's all about cold calling, all about outbound. So uh, I wanted to give him a chance to talk about how he got started doing his thing. And, uh, and then we'll go into some sort of tactical sales stuff. So Kevin Hart, welcome to the show, man. Ollie, thanks for having me on. I do uh, appreciate that. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, sing from the same hymn sheet is a really interesting way of saying that. That must be a, uh, a British European thing. I've never heard that here in the States. It's a bit of a tongue twister now I've said it that way. So I might, I might leave that one there and never say it again. But, uh, but good to have you on. So, um, so start us off. Do, do like the elevator pitch of who I am and what I do style thing. I never like to do that because I always butcher it and it sounds rubbish. So I want to have you do it. Yeah, sure, sure. My name's Kevin Hopp. I run my own consulting firm, Hopp Consulting Group. I exist to help early stage technology companies lay the, the foundation for a strong outbound sales program. So there's really uh, two types of companies that I help. I help companies that are going from that zero to one. Maybe it's founder-driven sales. Maybe it's a VP of sales that doesn't know modern outbound. And I can help you build an outbound program from the ground up. And the other sort of engagement I find myself in often is I have a team today we're not making a lot of outbound calls. We're not having a lot of success with what we're doing with the SDR program. Can you coach, train, and develop my reps into being better at their craft? So I, I'm, I'm all about things that are outbound sales, which is the opposite of inbound, which is talking to strangers. <laughs> all right. So um, a bit of a mixed bag. You talk to different people, different stages, slightly different problems, but about the same thing. What would you say, like on the split, we don't have to have a number, but how often is it that the CEO is kind of the salesperson or how often is it that they aren't? And I mean, in the cases where they're smaller, obviously when there's an SDR team, you're probably going to have account execs or a closer in some definition. But I'm, uh, my next question is sort of going to be about the SDR job. But before that, I've seen it quite often where the CEO sort of isn't a natural born seller. They don't really want to be doing it. But they do know that they have to because someone does have to, particularly in the very early days until you reach a certain point where you've got a bit of market fit, a bit of uh, cash in the bank to hire someone, a few customers and all that kind of stuff. So how often does that happen? What, what are you noticing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I, I mainly are, am running into seed stage funded companies. The other thing that's important to note is I work exclusively with venture backed companies because outbound sales actually does cost money. <laughs> it's not a uh, commission only. Let me, you know, go into my Rolodex and call up my buddy Chuck and get him to buy stuff from you type of thing. It's let's build a focused effort to go outbound. So um, when I'm talking to seed stage companies or companies that are trying to raise their series A or doing some sort of bridge round between seed and A, it, it is a founder or a founding team that has tapped out their network. Right. I think and it's a very important motion that's elemental, like elementary to uh, starting a tech company, which is you need to be able to find those first 15, 20 
20 customers on your own and talk the talk and close the deals as a founding team to really validate that it's going to be worthwhile to even bring in someone like me or a salesperson or a VP of sales, things like that. So um, it's very, very common that it's founders that are doing the sales. And then they come to me and say, hey, Kevin, I've called all my friends. <laughs> I've sold everyone who I've worked with in the past. Now I need to be able to build a model to show how we grow this quarter over quarter, talking to strangers and selling to people who don't know my background, don't know my company, never met me before. So that's where I, that's where I come in. So how rudimentary is the, like the groundwork that the SDR team at that point normally has? Because I've seen, like, it really does depend on the founder and what I've seen. So if the founder is quite a good sales person and the company is very sales driven, then uh, obviously their skill set lends it to uh, lends itself to being very process oriented. The, the SDR team is super well equipped. They've got loads and loads of resources to help them, and like the onboarding is better, the training's better, the scripting, the value props that they use is just better and more accurate because a salesperson, a person who does sales, has taught them. Whereas if it's like a technical founder or a marketer kind of guy like me, or or multiple other things like maybe they're a finance guy. That might not be their bread and butter, as we say in England. That's kind of not their their thing. Well, well how in much England, of a difference is it? Is it really basic, or or is that just not like generally what happens? Well, in England, wouldn't you say that's your your tea and crumpets instead of bread and butter? Uh, depends where in the country you're from. <laughs> <laughs> well, to answer your question, um, even if it is a founder that's good at selling, I find that the enablement is rarely there. Now, one of the things, and, I, and I've talked about this on a few other podcasts, one of the things that's really challenging to help founders kind of realize is that teaching someone else to sell your baby, like your company that you founded, is going to be very different than selling it yourself, right? The, the concept of you have to be able to explain what you do and the business challenges you solve to somebody like they're five years old. Explain it to me like I'm five years old. And if you can't make it make sense, then it's going to be very, very hard for you to properly train and enable a sales team. Because a lot of founders say like, just get me on the phone with, the, with people who are interested and I'll close the business, right? Just get me in front of the people who have business challenges and I can talk about this ad nauseum. I can go on and on and on about how great a solution is and simple and API this and API that. But we got to boil this down to how are you solving business challenges and what is your valuable solution to that in a way that gets people leaning forward? So, I, you know, kind of contrary to what you were saying, like even if a founder is doing the sales and they come with a bit of a sales background, they're generally not the best person to build out that basic enablement piece around training SDRs just because of that reason, right? They, 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 they pitch it from the heart and SDRs will never have it in their heart the same way that a founder does. Yeah, okay, uh, fair enough. So when you've seen the makeup of these SDR teams at that sort of level and that stage, um, how experimental are they in their approaches? And I don't mean like trying different email frameworks or maybe trying video for the first time. I, I don't mean tactical. I mean, in terms of the go-to-market. So for picking an example out, uh, I, I once did a, did the marketing for a really very, a very, very early stage software company who's um, now been acquired, which is awesome to see. But what they now talk about themselves as and what they do and who they do it for and with is a little bit different to what it was then. And even then, it was a constant 
battle of we think we're this and this is kind of how we position ourselves now we could also be that to these other people over here and we maybe there's a bit of an argument we could also do this to these people as well we're kind of like multi-purpose and there's a few different angles we could position ourselves as here and how we would be used and all those things and it is difficult when you're like an sdr in that stage because if you're like a naturally curious person like me you do come up with those ideas and you do think oh i've got to try that but that may be sort of steering away from what the company's trying to do and and also a lot of times you know it's kind of rare i think a company starts off knowing what they're going to do and who for and how and that every single customer that they have is a, is in the same boat as what they were thinking it's going to be. It's mm-hmm. nearly always some sort of change in direction because they listen to the customers, they listen to that market, and that's where they go. So how often are those SDRs actually trying to do something else, trying to sort of put the feelers out and try different markets, different value props in, in your sort of experience? Or are they literally trying to find that initial momentum? That's a great question. And once again one of the biggest challenges that uh, an early stage company faces is nailing that down. Um, You can put a lot of things on your website. You can have all the different tabs for all the different sorts of vertical markets you might serve and build a case study for each. But when you're going outbound and I'm, I'm the only, I'm, I only focus on outbound. How do we have conversations with strangers? You have to be very specific. You got to pick one. And it doesn't mean that your entire go-to-market motion has all your eggs in one basket, but it does mean that if you're building a prospecting list, you only have people in this list that would have this use case of your product and see this specific value. Then you can create another sequence, another cadence, another, you know, another bucket of that separate, of a separate use case, of a separate vertical market, so to speak, right? So um, that that is a a, a big big issue where, where someone says, Hey, I could do this for X, Y, Z, PD, and Q. And we should pitch that. And it's funny because I've, I got into consulting in the first place because I was fascinated with this idea that there has to be a better way to do outbound sales because every sales job that I had, I was given, you know, my, my new laptop and fancy title, senior account executive, account executive, whatever it was. And then told to just go build pipeline. <laughs> and I didn't have, you know, great enablement or tools or inbound leads. And I, I got fascinated with the problem, but this started when I was an SDR, this exact problem that you're talking about all year round. Um, we can do 14 different things for 14 different people. And I would try and pitch 14 different things on the phone. Cause you know, at, at, at the company I was at, we're, we're the greatest, this, we're the greatest, that we're the greatest. We, we serve every department of your company. We should get everybody from customer support and your sales team and your marketing team on this call. And that didn't work very well. <laughs> so I've lived through this problem. Yeah, know what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's an awkward one. Um, all right, so next thing I want to ask you, um, I only really recently like, came across this terminology. So for anyone who's read SASTA, you've probably heard about this. But uh, it's funny how in all my current years of in software and even services companies, I saw this but didn't know the name of it and didn't spot that it was a thing. There's such a contrast between how lead-rich companies work and how lead-poor companies work. So, for example, the, the, literally the way that the SDR job would work or whether you have BDRs and other things or the, how much you care about the number of MQLs versus how much you don't and all those things, it's completely different. So I'm curious, what, um, 
what is the average sort of inbound and uh, and even sort of demo booking velocity that you're seeing at, at these SDR teams? Because picture it one way, you're a, a brand new company and you've got a f- your first marketer and they've managed to generate some sort of interest and people are kind of trickling in. Maybe they watch a couple of webinars or whatever it is. You're like ecstatic. Oh my gosh, people give a crap about us. Let me call them. Let me email them now. And then on the flip side, when you've kind of got a lot of that going on and you've got a few mouths to feed, but you know, that's you've got plenty of it. You kind of don't care so much and you shrug your shoulders. You kind of say, well, you know, did they book a demo? Let, let me take the call instead. So how does it work with the SDR teams you're speaking to? Is it like a bit of a mix or are they one way or the other? Well, you know, <laughs> to, to come back to, to my point about outbound, I don't really work with SDR teams that have a lot of inbound. You wouldn't hire me if you have a lot of inbound flow. You know, it's the other side of the, the, the equation, right? The, the ability to uh, have an SDR team that handles, you know, a percentage of the inbound is, is nice to have. <laughs> it's a nice to have, not a need to have. Now, you know, keep in mind, I work with very, very early stage organizations. I absolutely believe that marketing is essential if you're going to build a big company, if you're going to get to series B, C, D, become a unicorn. You need excellent demand generation paired with excellent outbound. And guess what? At scale, they feed each other beautifully if you're doing it the right way. But when I'm working with a seed stage company uh, and, and they might get you know a handful of inbound leads or they're getting one or two demo requests a week, you know that uh, I, I generally don't even advise the SDRs touch that, right? If you have a closer, if there's a VP of sales, or if there's a, a, the CEO is even taking the meetings, they get the demo requests as long as there's not a lot of them, you know, it's 15 a week. Okay. We'll do some, a level of uh, qualification, but the organizations I'm working with don't even have that, right. They don't, they don't have a ton of uh, hand raisers just yet. And the idea is, can we go have the conversations to get people interested to even do that? So I can answer for like a good, like metrics around outbound, but when it comes to inbound flow, the people I'm working with the early stages don't have a lot of it. All right, fair enough. Um, okay, maybe a couple more questions and uh, then we'll wrap up. So um, I, I think a lot of the time in, in especially sales, we kind of focus on the negatives. So I want to sort of steer away from that. Um, give me something that comes to mind. What's a, a hallmark, like a, a quality that you've spotted in really well-functioning outbound teams? Uh, I was going to ask you what's something that, that there's like a bad point that sticks out, but I think we could probably all name a fair few hundred of those. So what's... What's like an under the radar thing that uh, the all good and um, high performing outbound team is going to have in common? A high performing outbound team is going to be a bunch of uh, a bunch of people that are curious. Curious, you know, the the type of people that are going to ask you questions about what anything, right? Like I think that some of the best salespeople in the world are really good at trivia. They know a lot about a lot or they know a little about a lot, right? So they, they, they're always curious and looking for information. And that curiosity angle leads to natural, like if you're, if you're a naturally curious person, it's going to come out in your inflections, in your tones. I'm curious, Ollie, how, how are you guys solving for that today? You know, things like that. And, and if, if, a, if a team keeps curiosity in the front of their mind when they're making outbound calls, when they're sending outbound emails, that's actually a very prospect-centric mindset. 
that's going to serve your customer much more effectively than a, you know, a, a product first or a, a commission breath type thing where it's a, are you ready to buy? Are you looking to purchase today? You know, no, no one wants to buy your stuff. Everybody wants to solve their problems, but do they have the problems, right? Do they have the problems? That's, that's the chief concern that we have to keep in the front of our mind when we're going outbound is, you know, you know, they're not interested. If they're interested, they would have called you, but can we help them? I don't know. Let's find out. So I, I would say curiosity is, is one of the best qualities that a good outbound program has as a, as a key tenant. On the theory side of it, I, I always agree with that. And I think that's like a good trait in life anyway, like no matter what job you do, but particularly for salespeople and to like put it tangibly as well. I would say if you have that and you're able to sort of express it and you have that sort of confidence too, it, it will definitely help in a couple of even metrics you can track. So for example, if you've got a call that uh, it doesn't really sound like there might be a fit, one rep who's quite process uh, heavy and doesn't really veer away from it too much, they're going to ask the questions they know to ask. And it doesn't really sound like there's a fit. So I might not ask for the demo and fair enough, we move on. The next rep who is really curious they might get that same inclination, but they might also say, hey, hang on a second. I mean, what you just said, there, that sounds awesome. Like, how do you do that? Can you, can you teach me? So that, that's one part of it. And then equally, very similarly, you might have where uh, a deal's like on the table, but you're not in first position, for example. But if you've got that genuine curiosity about you, you kind of buy yourself a little bit of rope, a little bit of breathing room where you're not just like a deadpan person who's going through the process and it's just ah, eh, you know that rep's just doing what they have to do you know they're not really like that that fast or you can tell they're not listening right. that that far in and that closely if you know what i mean so yeah i think you can sort of tell in those things you get marginal gains like every single time it doesn't mean it's going to like change your life if one deal comes to you on a plate i'm sure both reps could close it but but my money would be on the second one to rectify ones where it's going wrong but they could turn it around or well, those ones where it might be going wrong, but but they stop it from going wrong straight away. Yeah. So what like this might be a good little topic to discuss. Like one, one of the things that uh one of the things that I, I always teach the outbound teams that I'm coaching is curiosity is actually one of the the basis, uh the ba the basic elements of trust. People, people innately, humans like to be asked questions. They do. Everyone likes to be asked questions. Yeah, you, you, I mean, all you have to do is look at uh, every every fourteen year old girl's social medias, and all they put up is AMA, AMA, which means it stands for Ask Me Anything. You know, as a as a kid, you just like to say, "Ask me questions." I love to answer questions. As, when you become an adult, that same curiosity is actually very elemental to your to your psyche. It just doesn't present itself in the same way. So. How does that work out in a sales context? Well, if you ask people basic questions about things that they are, are giving you levels of information on. So, so for instance, like you're in a sales cycle and someone mentions, well, you know, Kevin, let's uh, reconnect next Tuesday, Monday, I'm going to be on vacation. A lot of reps will go, okay, cool. All right. On Tuesday, anything else you need? You know, the curious rep says, cool, Monday vacation, huh? Are you going somewhere tropical? And they oh, no, no, I'm not going anywhere tropical. I'm going to Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland. Wow. Crazy stuff going on there with the Browns, huh? 
Oh yeah, Deshaun Watson thing. It, it's it's a big mess. What you are you a Browns fan? All of a sudden, we have rapport. All of a sudden, we are talking about something in common. All of a sudden, you know, commonality and the curiosity has led to a basic level of trust. Then you see him on Tuesday. You say, "Hey, hope you're well rested. You have a good time in Cleveland." Right? That rep only found out about that because they're curious and, and they're asking questions. And the the more that you can ask questions about someone's uh, process, their work, their life, what's going on outside when they close the laptop, the more they're going to naturally trust you. The really curious rep would also say, hey, what about Tuesday afternoon instead of morning? I know you're going to come back to your crazy mess of an inbox because you've been away for a couple of days. But That's right. Got you, got you. All right, dude. So uh, just about out of time, but before we go, I want to make sure that, um, that everyone knows where they can go follow you. And, uh, and where they can connect with you. So, um, so why don't you let them know where to do that? And the other last question is, how do you like self-educate? Are you a podcast person, books, courses, trying stuff out for yourself? How do you do that? Great question. Okay, so uh, first off, everyone go check out my podcast. I'm, I'm a storyteller. I'm fa- fascinated by people's stories. My podcast is about stories. It's called the Sales Career Podcast, hosted by me, Kevin Hopp. I interview interesting salespeople with really interesting backgrounds and uh, successful backgrounds. So you can find out their keys to success, apply that to your own career. You can go to my website, hopconsultinggroup.com. And I'm big on LinkedIn, doing a lot of content on LinkedIn, including a live cold calling series. A lot of people think that's interesting. So check me out, Kevin Hopp on LinkedIn. Um, when it comes to self-educating, I'm actually very millennial about this in that I am a fan of micro content, right? I, I get most of my education in the form of uh, some sort of social media channel, whether it's a Facebook article, whether it's a Instagram reel that leads to me clicking through and learning more about it. But micro content is how I do most of my self-learning. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of, I don't have enough patience to sit down and read a book from, from cover to cover like I used to <laughs> since I graduated school uh, a decade ago. But um, yeah, micro content would be my answer there. It's funny you say that. I, uh, I never really considered it like that, though I do consume lots of that. But my bookshelf is, uh, is hilarious. There's like not even that many books on it, but there's just dust on all of them. I haven't really bothered. I, I look at it and I think, oh, that's that's going to be a good one. I got to buy that. Everyone recommends it. I got to get that. And then I either fail to pick it up or I start like two chapters. And unless I'm hooked, I, I just forget and time goes by and then it's gone. So, yeah, I, 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 I was the same way in school, right? Like in school, I had to show up to the lectures and I sat in front and I raised my hand a lot, right? I, I'm that kind of learner and I don't do well. Here's the book you know, open it up. And maybe that's why I'm in sales and I'm not a doctor. <laughs> maybe, maybe me too. Okay, man. Well, good stuff. Thanks very much for coming on the show. We appreciate having you on and, uh, and good to have a good chat about outbound and, uh, and SDR teams. So there's a lot of people who are finding that sort of stuff very difficult and uh, probably always will. It's just one of those really difficult things of business. So uh, it's always good to talk about it. Totally. But, uh, in, the, in the meantime, folks, thanks very much for listening. If you made it this far, always appreciate you. Two things, if we wouldn't mind asking you a favor, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. That always really, really, really helps us out. And while you're at it, you might as well hit the subscribe button so you get next week's episode. But with that, um, I promise you Sean will be back at some point soon. And, uh, and it won't just be me all the time. It's been a little bit too much of me of late. So, so we're working on it. Don't worry. And uh, with that, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon.